I can't wait to hear uh, Montag's questions for Matt Thompson. Like I said, I know he's chomping at the bit in that one. I'm just excited, man. You know, I, I really like Matt. He's been the longest drummer King Diamond has had, like 17 yeah. years now. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, coming in and filling in the shoes for Mickey D. And they're good friends, you know. I, I, that's what I want to always ask, like, the turnover. Like, you always hear about rock bands being marriages. And sometimes there's a divorce. And, like, the new spouse comes in. Mickey D's gone from king diamond and here comes matt thompson is there any weird feelings is it like oh uh yeah i i tapped that before you did i mean what right a, yeah it's, very, <laughs> sloppy you know, seconds. it's like yeah that's why i want to find out like is there yeah. any weirdness or yeah. is it because it's a, a business and people are just kind of going to switching gigs and playing with this group is it a whole different kind of experience you know right on and uh but i was I, you know i always wanted to ask like what the hell do you do because there's been such a big gap between Give me your soul, please. And now, yeah. it's like, come on, like for five, you can't sit around for five years and do nothing. So I know he does drum clinics and things like that, but um, it was neat to hear Justin say he's got a day job. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he's to the hospital. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> a regular guy doing a job. Yeah. You know, doing a job, doing a job, <laughs> having fun. Doing a job. <laughs> well, all right, let's get into. The yes. Where did we leave? Time. We left off in Power Windows. We got Power right? Windows. Yeah, we're going to yeah, Power Windows. Well, let's get the show on the road. Hey, everybody! This is Justin from Sorcerer and Christian, and you guys are listening to and watching Heavy Metal Four. I am Montag, master of illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. Hey, this is Chop Top and keep it synthy. <laughs> and the bowl of dread. And you are listening to... Emmy Metal. Metal. Horror. Your fingers are disappearing. You're... Your, your devil stumpy. horns were disappearing. <laughs> I'm not so much devil now. I'm nubs. I'm nibby. I got nib devil horns. Devil nubs. <laughs> oh, well, kids, we are continuing our rush deep dive tonight. We're going to finish up Synth Under Pressure. We got a couple of mid 80s albums and a live album to go through. And, uh, you know, I, I think we just we just get right into it. Let, let's talk. We got 1985's Power Windows. My overview is uh, keyboards and synth sounds dominate this album, outshining Lifeson's guitar, sometimes reducing it to a simple chord strums or a trumpet blast screeches. But his solos are still strong and remind us that this is still a rock band. The album is brighter in tone, but not necessarily cheery. Peart's lyrics aren't as bleak but are often directed at commentary at popular culture and politics. A few story songs are welcome respites. Woo. Fancy. Oh, wow. Look at I you got a mouth scripted. prettier than a $2 horse. All, all scripted and everything. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. um, I guess my initial thoughts on this album was I, I thought it had great production. I hear, I think I hear Getty's voice better in the mix than under, on Grace Under Pressure. That was kind of my, one of my first things. Um, that I noticed. Um, I agree. This is where it's real strong. The synth has really taken over, but still great. Some good songs on here. Uh, 
let's start with big money. You know, the big money, well, another great opener. Really well, like the rhythm. Let's, let's Red Bull give us overview oh. before we get trapped or trapped. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th th this is the particular era. Lifeson had actually by this time had expressed some uh, resistance to the, uh, the, the synth domination that had uh, crept in over the last couple albums during this era, you know, and, and, you know, I guess that's the closest they ever come to a band fight, you know, is expressing some resistance <laughs> when it comes to rush. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he, he, uh, he, he thought that this album was a little better a balance with between the guitar and synth sounds. He thought it was much closer to, to like moving pictures the, uh, than grace under pressure which you know i agree uh i didn't think it was as heavy synth as grace under pressure this particular album i thought it was at least you could hear the guitars a little better they brought the guitars a little more forward and it wasn't quite as like cascading synthiness uh you know as so you know i i like the sound of this one i think of this area this particular era i think this is maybe my favorite uh album i'd agree so yeah, that's where that's where I'm at here. I think this is my fave. Okay. Well, chop top. Sorry for interrupting you. No, no, I'm but sorry. let's get I, back I, into I big money. Script, Jump so. into big yeah, money. Yeah, stop jumping off script for Christ's you sake. You rat bastard. Big money. Uh, the big money show. Our non-existent um, no. script. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just said another great opener. Really liked the rhythm on it. Uh, the whole. Uh, can't even read my own writing on this one. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I, I just like, I think the band shines on this one as a whole. And I just like, it's, a, it's another great rush opener, which, which you come to expect from pretty much all their albums. They always open strong with a really good opener. So that's what I had. Yeah. This is a pretty progressive track. Um, you know, another song. Here's a Neil, a big song about the sheer size and power of the global economy. Um, but yeah, it's progressive. There's a lot of interesting details going on in this one. Uh, you know, Neil is still experimenting with different drum sounds. Uh, I, I thought this album sounds more like something off of like uh, Signals than Grace Under Pressure. Maybe mm -hmm. getting, you know, like I said, they're, they're trying to find a, a better balance with the guitars and stuff on this one. So, um, and so that's a good thing, in my opinion. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I like this song. Really good tune. Yeah, I, I like it too. Um, this song is actually based on a trilogy of novels by John Dos Passos called the USA Trilogy. And it's about the struggles of characters in post-World War I era America. Um, the novel focuses on greed and the never-ending search for more. Mm -hmm. wow. uh, and so, again, Neil Peart, the literate person that he is, was, um, drew from uh, a novel series, you know, series of novels, and wrote this great track. It was nerd. taking us fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, readings, what for, what readings for dummies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but this is this is a hallmark of what he does, you know, throughout yeah. his whole tenure in Rush is based, you know, a lot of things that he they read about and were excited about, and uh, you know. It, culminates in, the, in their grand finale album, which in itself is like a novel, you know, it's a concept. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Um, so while I'm uh, here for big money, I will switch to, to grand designs, which I find is, here's Pierce's commentary on the superficiality of society, focusing on consumerism, uh, power, and politics. So I see these kind of two kind of bleeding, bleeding together. Um, 
and that that was kind of my notes for that one but it's uh you know this album like you said it, it's a very pop but it, i think i agree with you it's a good blend of the synth and uh, guitars but it's it's heavier i hear more of the synth than i do uh, a lot of the times than not but um mm. it's a little bit of a, a lighter album and i think this but it's still it's still serious though he's not there's still no fantasy escapism yet you know, right? Fucking about these issues that are affecting uh, the globe. You know, in a way, this global perspective on things. Yeah, I I, I agree with all the insight that you had in the song, but I, I like the synth on the song. It doesn't bother me as much. And I think life's in solo is very interesting, very tasty on the, on this track. So that's something that stood out a lot for me with uh, Grand Designs. Yeah, I got no notes on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling to like get my head back. Like I wrote these notes three weeks ago, I think probably, and I'm like going like, "What the hell was I thinking during this?" You know. So yeah, let's just move on. I got no notes on Grand Designs. <laughs> well, there it is. Kid. I don't know what I thought. Yeah. That was three weeks ago. You expect me to remember? Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's well, way in the past. Uh, yeah, Manhattan <laughs> Project. It's about the development of the first atomic bomb, and it's continuing impact on everyone. Another light theme. Um, so I, I really like there's this nice break at when the lyrics flying out of the shockwave where it's quiet. Mm-hmm. I think reinforcing the moment that changed everything, you know, just that it's just nothing but the vocals, you know, before the music kicks in. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw them play this on the first tour. I saw them. I saw them on the Presto tour. And I, this is one of the songs that they had played this and actually the, the next song. Um, but I've always liked this song. It's mm-hmm. uh, the, the drive. It's, the lyrics are serious, and again, we're talking about you're making these connections between the single act, and then, but he's involving the scientist. He's also involving the pilot. He's like continuing the the narrative through three different points of view, drawing in like how does this person feel, the scientists feel, what their goals are, and then the the pilot of the Enola Gay flying out of the shockwave. Like when they realized what they had done, mm-hmm. you know, what was the impact on them as people as soldiers you know when you realize you've dropped a bomb that just killed a hundred thousand people that how does that feel you know yeah yeah i uh i had on this another highlight song for me on the album uh, i love the chorus the verses and of course the lyrics that you've very well discussed um it's just a yeah another highlight manhattan project yeah continuing another a lot of de- interesting details in this song uh that section in the middle is really cool. It almost sounds like there's a stringed instrument in there or cellos or something going yeah, on. It does sound like, uh, doesn't it sound like strings, right? It might be yeah. strings that could be, you know, synth. Yeah. Just really cool little detail. Um, I like, really like the mix and the production here. Um, <clears throat> but I'm starting to, so yeah, in my notes here, it's another song that I'm, and this is this whole era of rush is I struggled to connect, like have an emotional connection with this music and i'm as i'm re-listening to all these songs and stuff i'm sitting there going why i don't know why like i'm trying to figure out and we can get into it later i think i might have figured it out but uh yeah really have a a tough time just connecting emotionally with this era of rush Mm -hmm. yeah i I think because they had changed as a band Mm -hmm. and you were at you were changing too you know as you aged but the lyrics are not as in the song the music is not as fanciful or experimental it, it may be experimental yeah. in a different way but it was more of the 
this was more of the zeitgeist, the spirit of the era, the kind of music with the scent. This is, this is all the big 80s. Yeah. You know? And Rush had defied those kind of conventions earlier on. They weren't, except for the first album, which was very mid-70s hard rock but they they were doing something completely that no one else was doing inspired by previous prog bands like rush and or like you know yes and and king crimson and those kinds of guys but um i think that might be part of it there dreadful i think i wonder if that's part of the disconnect could be yeah i i don't know if i fully uh quite understand it but um and maybe it's just the style of music mm-hmm. that you know doesn't really click well with me uh, more poppy kind of stuff is never really, you know, yeah, never really does it for me. It's a little too. Except light. the song pop music, which you love, Death. I did love that. Yeah, pop music. Uh, right. Yeah. We would listen to that song. I we were spending night at your house and uh-huh. we over there the side room, aside from your bedroom. Uh-huh. Something with paints or doing <laughs> something. Little... <laughs> yeah, we must have listened to that song thirty times in a row. You know, a little on a what was that? A little forty-five. Yeah, hot music yeah. and M Factor was on the other side. Right, was on the right. side of that. Yeah, it was just what on. Was the, what was the name of the group? I don't even remember. M. M was the name of the group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, well, the letter M. M Factor. <laughs> I don't know what it was about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's the one pop song that really there we got go. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Dread Trap, did you talk about Manhattan Project? I can't remember. Yes. All right. Everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Talk about pop music. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to Marathon. Uh, I, I think this is like Peart's metaphor about life. You know, it's all about how you conduct <laughs> yourself as you race through it. And persistence and endurance are more important than speed. Um, except I like Lee's baseline is really busy in this, perhaps mimicking the race in a way I'm thinking, or the your heart as it's pounding. Um, and I really like the chorus. You know, it almost sounds like a bit angelic with the heavy keyboard coming in. It's almost like the lights. You can see the lights like shining down, you know, yeah. Uh, but I I really like this song, you know, a lot. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you on uh, Montag on the it's standout baseline by Getty, and it does give you that feeling like he's in the race, you know, and stuff. And again, uh, the lyrics again, uh, the reflectiveness about how you know with life, you know, that analogies that Pert again makes, you know, Pert makes, and he does so well in in so many songs. But uh, yeah, another one of my favorites as well. Yeah, those uh, those he, those uh, weird tinny sort of guitar strum chords that Alex played a lot in Grace Under Pressure are, are here in this song, but they're a little more subdued, so it's kind of reasonable. But the mm-hmm. yeah, they came back and you know, like oh no, please, not more of this because those drove me crazy. But uh, yeah, uh, more more reasonable in this one. So uh, I, I again, I also had a note about Getty's bass lines in this. His bass play in this song is amazing. Yeah. Um, the instrumental section in the middle is fantastic. Um, and I think so. Yeah. The verse in that, in the middle has a verse that Getty really actually sings with some emotion. And that's when I started to realize maybe that's what's been missing. Like if you go back, you know, signals, grace under pressure, Getty's singing is fine, but, but there's no real emotion. I think maybe because, you know, as I think about it, like, you know, the, the stuff that we like, you know, 2112, he's playing characters. And so he's singing with an emotion of a character. And here, these are just songs about philosophy and things like that. And there's no, you know, he's not portraying a character maybe. And so maybe that's why there's not the emotional element in his singing no. in this era that maybe is gone. And I, I think that might have something because that 
that struck me as I was listening to the song, like, oh, he's singing with some emotion, like that grabbed my attention. Like, maybe that's what's what's going on here. You know, maybe that's the missing, at least part of the thing that's missing for me. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that, that in this song, you know, like he's singing fine and he puts, but doesn't put a lot of passion behind uh, most of the, the uh, lyrics in this, you know, his delivery in the, this era. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can totally see that now. Um, I think he does. You hear that in the after image. There's a couple songs on Grace Under Pressure where you definitely hear that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking back at songs like, um, yeah, Red Barchetta and hemispheres um mm-hmm. and witch hunt and yeah witch like hunt that, right know, yeah yeah tom sawyer you're uh, right exactly you know yeah you, there, you might be on something there Fred. <laughs> yeah it's interesting yeah that's yeah. when the thought hit me like oh okay this is i haven't heard this in a while you know getty mm-hmm. singing with some some passion some emotion yeah <clears throat> uh, it could be okay um i you know, his busy bass line that you had mentioned that we'd mentioned uh, can, carries over into the next song, Territories. I found this is a really, he's got a really busy bass part in this too. Um, Territories has this very Chinese sounding musical notes that kind of go with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a contrasting the sense that all of us have to live these in these eternal homes above the very ugly reality of how political and national affiliations keep us separated and focused myopically, you know, myopically uh, rather than on the great wonders beyond us. I'm so waxing so eloquent here in my three-week-old notes. <laughs> um, but what I like was the chorus and the bridge are damning, uh, and the use of indifferent and indifferent is poetry, I think, to use that. And we have lyrics here. Pierre is His lyrics are biting and sarcastic. Better people, better food, better beer, um, you know, added that little note of sarcasm there. And so I, I think here's Peart's maybe the global desire for a global community comes out, you know, and the way he refers to a flag, which, you know, being patriotic, I struggle with, um, you know, when a colorful rag is unfurled, you know, uh, I think. Well, he's a better the pride that resides in the in a citizen of the world than the pride that divides when a colorful rag is unfurled. And there's still part of me that it strikes me as a, someone who's rather patriotic and loves my country. But I can understand what he's saying. Look, it's not worth killing people over, you know, in a way. Like we have different ideologies, but wouldn't it be better if we just kind of focus on the things that we have in common, you know, and instead of the things that divide us? which we're going through that now in our own country. You know, we yeah. are, we are divided more now than I, I can uh, ever remember. Maybe since yeah, like in our before, lifetimes. So yeah, I think before, maybe sure. before 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know? But um, so I, this, this song challenges me, and I, I'm trying to seek out what he means, I think, and I think I've got a, a good assessment of it, but it's his wish. You know, I think this mm-hmm. is Pierceian philosophy and his hope. And probably, I mean, you know, a lot of these bands, like a band like Rush, who has had the opportunity to travel the world and play in front of many different audiences and get to to meet different cultures and, you know, be a part of these things and examine them. And, you know, Neil, he's going to be examining everything <laughs> everywhere he goes. And it gives you a more global probably view, you know, and a, and a realization that our 
you know, commonalities are way more prevalent than our differences. And, you know, I'm sure that had a huge effect on him and it's kind of probably something that he, he's uh, exploring in this song. Yeah. I, out of the album, this is one of the songs that uh, there's another one, but this one didn't really grab me, but I, I, I agree with everything you guys said about the lyrics. So it's very insightful lyrics and uh, just another example of a, a great lyricist storyteller. So, yeah. Uh, the next track, Middletown Dreams, uh, this is one of my favorites on the album. Um, and it's based in Unpeared's bicycle travel throughout the mid-mest uh, of the United States and imagining the lives of the people he saw on the way. Uh, I think it's like a bit romantic. Mm -hmm. You know, the song deals with people who leave their safe and perhaps stagnant lives and move on to seek their dreams. Um, the second verse, he is, Peart says, was autobiographical, you know, and about the boy wanting to go out and seek his fame you know um and i i just kind of really i kind of love this this song for that and it reminds me a little bit of um the, the song on uh signals um, analog kid in a way it's very it's hopeful in a way there's a there's a there's a gorgeousness to it and it is sadness but beauty to it in a, in a way a little bit but um, yeah, it's it's my favorite track. Uh, perhaps first or second favorite track on the album. Yeah. Well, I have written my notes. This is my favorite song off the album. Uh, <laughs> uh, very underrated song, Rush. Uh, I love everything about it. Very emotional, and uh, the chorus part especially. It just takes you. I don't know. Just really hits home somewhere. It hits you in the heart, you know. And and uh, yeah, it's just a gorgeous song. Everything about it. Love it. Yeah, not much to add to that. I, I I tend to agree. I don't know if this is my favorite song, but uh, there's a definite uh, real charm to this. You know, they uh, another song that matches like the vibe that he's that he's hitting lyrically, and then the music match up really well together. And uh, yeah, re really cool song. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, the next track, uh, Emotion Detector. Um, I find this to be really synth heavy with guitar accents um, and, and the lyrics are really personal about the risks of intimacy and our own faulty human emotions. Uh, I love the chorus. Uh, in a lot of ways, this song sets up a soundscape that will be followed up on the next album. Um, Cause I, I, once I listen to it again, carefully like, Oh, okay. I can, this really, this is going to be echoed a lot in hold your fire. Uh, so I, I just think, Here's a, a, a exploring the nature of relationships as Peart really loves to do. And um, just continuing to try to understand or wrestle with these, with these concepts in, in a poetic way. Yeah. I, uh, I had my notes, meh, motion detector doesn't detect my emotions. It just doesn't <laughs> do me. Support. So that's, that's no offense. It's still, you know, fuck you, chop chop. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, but uh, next we were just no. <laughs> dread, sorry, guys. No, about dread. Dread, dread. No, it's so, yeah. fine. We've you already know, talked hey, about. Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, that's what I love about. I love this discussion that we have because I like hearing those songs. You know, sometimes we all say yes, this is great. Sometimes mm -hmm. we all say no. But then I, I like the variance. It helps me understand you better as people and friends when some of the songs really resonate with you or why they don't, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I like hearing those things. And the fact that you didn't like that, 
that's yeah. that's great right. you know because fuck you montag <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly well, I've, my emotion detector is detecting some hostility coming hostility. Through your <laughs> hostility detected <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> um no no i i and i i think it's great we we're all absolutely we're all fans but we some songs resonate with us for all various reasons it, um, and i just i like i love hearing those stories from you guys you know that makes it very meaningful to me you're um, welcome yeah so that i know what songs you guys hate so that's all i'm going to play when you guys come over so <laughs> <laughs> all i gotta do is put on a kiss record for <laughs> oh i knew that was coming oh my yeah. god <laughs> gotta, bust your balls, buddy. gotta bust your balls on it sorry the door is open. I slammed it. We have to do a Kiss deep dive. You know, there's so many. There's so many guests that we've had on that mention Kiss. You know, and Kiss is an influence yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like, right. okay. Christian, one of his favorite Kiss Alive. You know, you know. I'm you know. You, man, Kiss Alive's a great record, man. You gotta check it out. Well, when it comes from people I respect, you know, it makes me start thinking a little bit. So, <laughs> fuck you, friend. You know, <laughs> here's my emotion detector. Well, what do you think about this song? Uh, yeah, a great instrumental section again, you know, I, even though I, I like the emotional level, uh, isn't connecting on, on the, on this era of rush, like their musicianship is still top notch. It's, it's there throughout, like every, every song on this album is really interesting and it's high level of musicianship and technicality. And I can appreciate that. You know, I can listen to it just with a technical ear and go, wow, you know, these guys are doing all kinds of cool stuff. And so, you know, I can appreciate it on that level, even though it's not hitting on every, on every level. And, um, and yeah, they never let down uh, as far as that goes in, right. their, in the high level of musicianship that they bring. Right. Right. Yep. Excellent. All right. And we're going to finish with mystic rhythms. Uh, I love this song, the percussion, the primal sounds, um, and, and hearing that double China back and forth. I think these, this song is, is Peart's most personal lyrics on the whole album and showing the poetry of his musings and the wonder of being human, I think, that he wants all of us to connect to. And I think if, yeah, that, you know, as, as Dreadville, you had mentioned, like this, these, these albums are like Peart's... Um, you know, like his thoughts, his journals almost kind of as he goes through things and we get to see his interior monologues. And I, I think this is one of those songs for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I agree with Montag's um, observations on it. I, I love, I love the chorus in it too. Mystic rhythm. You know, it's just like, there's something serene about it. There's something that, uh, I don't know. It's a, just a, a, another standout track and what a way to close an album. So, uh, and the percussion, of course, is really agree with what Montag's observations on that was just, yeah, very tight. Very one of my favorite songs as well. Yeah, I think this is my favorite song. Uh, real cool. Pretty progressive track, you know, uh, sounds really good with headphones on um, the guitar riff underneath the chorus is awesome. I really love that. I think that's mm-hmm. real. Like, that's really what makes the song for me. Uh, yeah, I think this is my favorite track on the on the album. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are moving into 1987's Hold Your Fire. Um, I think this might be the most synth-heavy album of their catalog, um, but yeah. licensed guitar is also prominent. I love this album. I really do. Uh, because I, it feels... You're complete. wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a motion detector is coming up. Um, <laughs> I, what I love about this album, it feels complete. Like it is an album that really demands listening in its entirety. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of cohesiveness to it and it's lush. And I think the lyrics are really back to full form in their sense of ache and wonder and their commentary on human nature and the fragility of our time here. Um, and I think the mix is really satisfying. Peart's drums sound bigger than they have since moving pictures. Um, and what I really love is one of my, one of my friends in college went, was on, saw them on this tour and had the tour booklet and it had pictures of Neil Peart's drum kit, which was looked for all intents and purposes white, but it's actually it has a touch of pink on it as well, which I thought was, was pretty nice. So there's my take of hold your phone. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to say, I, I really like this album as well. Um, there's just something about, you know, I think the guitars are definitely brought up more. Yeah, it's probably the most synth heavy, but I just, I really like, I like a lot of the songs. I like a lot of the choruses. Uh, I like a lot of lyrics, of course. So yeah, I really like hold your fire as well. All right, Dread Bull, you've been shaking your head and whining like a bitch. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was getting some synth fatigue by now, but uh, yeah, this one sounds the I'm most. I'm getting motion detector going here. Yeah, my motion detector is going off too. No. <laughs> Let's hear what you got to say, man. Yeah, very, very new wave. I mean, honestly, there were moments when I was like, is this Depeche Mode? Am I listening to Tears for Fears right now? Because it is full on poppy new wave, you know, at times. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. This yeah I just can't do it. I can't, when you can't, that, I can't get into it. it. <laughs> <laughs> here's the quote for this. Here's the here's our opener for the show. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, just it's not hitting me, man. Not That's hitting me. Yeah. See now, on knowing me, you know me for most of my life. There, dread. Mm-hmm. You probably were very surprised that I chose this as my favorite. Album. One, this my, is my, my eyebrows might have went up when you said that. Yeah, this is this is in like it could be like in my top five rush albums. It, wow! It, because of the there's just something about this album that defies. It's bigger than the sum of its parts, and it, I know it's synth heavy, but there is something about the synth sounds that have less poppy sound to me, and there's more of a deeper resonance. Um, complimentary something yeah in a way and i love the mix the drums sound fantastic and you know well we'll get into it hold your uh or um force 10 that ah chorus sets up the sense of awe i think that beer writes about um the storm you know the lyrics are about the dichotomous nature of being human um dichotomous uh it's like the new world man returns you know and that's what i think and i just uh, I just love this. Love this song. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I think another great opening track. Uh, the question I had for you guys here was: Is Neil using strictly electronic drums on this album, or was it just a mix of natural with the electronic? Oh, he like, does. I thought it was a mix. He does uses both. He plays acoustic. His acoustic okay. set, um, and then okay. he accentuates it with electric triggers and stuff. Okay. You know. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't think he's ever played a full song on just electric stuff. He, okay. he has an accent, you know, a lot of triggers on his traditional kit, mm-hmm. but like that beginning, yeah. you know, that's, those are little triggers or something he hit with his feet or really cool with a pad, you know, um, but he's always playing acoustic with, with electronic like additions. And when he mixes in electronic drums, it's 
he makes it pretty obvious. Like he's not trying to fake anybody out, you know, yeah. like it's a definite, right. you know, it's a perfect, it's a sound choice that he's mm-hmm. making. Yeah. You know? Right. And then yeah, as there's he, a purpose, but there's a purpose behind the use and he just doesn't use it. Just yeah. to use it so. And then over time, as technology got better, he could sample these songs or these sounds electronically. So he wouldn't have like this giant bell tree and he wouldn't, wouldn't have to have all these things. He could play a bell tree with a trigger on a, on a, you know, like he had that little xylophone that he plays and he, each of those, he could trigger a different sound. So he could have that there. He wouldn't have to have a, a bell tree or those, those kinds of things and, and clutter up the kit. I mean, it was big enough for Christ's sake, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, I think the only time he plays the electric kit totally is like when he does the, like his drum solo, you know, the, the, okay. the, the drum set will spin around that he sits at the other kit and starts playing that. But yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. That's my take on Force 10, though. I'm sorry I didn't mean to get off track. No, 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 that's cool. Hey, yeah. that's what we're here for. That's what this is about. Yeah. Dre, do you want to tell us how much you hate this song? I would call this a solid song, but unremarkable. That's my notes. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm probably going to piss so many people off. I don't, you know, I shouldn't be so hey, flippant. Rush is look, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You, know? you like what you like. It, we, it's, it doesn't take away from your love from the band. Right. Absolutely not, not. This is not. This is not the era that you really mm-hmm. are crazy about. And every band we love has an album or two that we don't like. Mm-hmm. And Except it, Dream Theater, for me, I, I haven't heard the Astonishing. Um, is that the what, what was that? I thought it was great. Is that the two? two, uh, two that's disc one? Yeah, that's a two disc one. <laughs> that was a two disc one. I know. I know. I know. Chop Top does not like the Astonishing. And I've not I listened to couple, it yet. Couple so. tracks. Couple tracks. I like. We'll get into that in a later show. So yeah, we got to ever. We gotta do a deep dive. There's no account for taste. (laughs) (laughs) As we know. (laughs) Right. That's why we keep you around, Dred. (laughs) Well, you know. Um, Time stands still. Uh, This is a really a beautiful and bittersweet song about how quickly time passes and the wish to slow things down. We've heard this song earlier, a few albums ago. The same theme, you know, was talking about that. And what what I find is that um, it's the lyrics are f- full of ache, but there's also a, a call to stand in the now. Like, don't let the day pass you by. Mm-hmm. There's too many friends and family, and life will pass you by, and, and you'll miss if you're busy. And I think the guest vocals by Amy Mann are just really haunting, um, and 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 as pretty as you know she was um, when she sang this. I don't know what what she's doing now, but hey, Amy Mann, you want to come on the show? We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah i uh everything you said about it uh montag uh amy mann's vocals i, I think feel are very complimentary to getty and uh yeah just a really a strong that really a song that really just pulls at your you know your emotions and stuff and and how quickly like i said time goes by and we how fragile it is as well so mm-hmm. yeah excellent track yeah i actually like this song i like this one a lot uh Aha! I yeah. wish they would have brought yeah. Amy Mann in for more tracks on this. I wish she would have just been a, a part yeah. of this entire album. I think that would have been cool, you know, to just bring yeah. her in throughout. But uh, yeah, good song. But my God, have you seen the video? Do you yeah. remember the video but for this? It, yes, it, it gets ripped now, but it was, it was cutting off, cutting edge at the time. Right. Oh, boy. 
Getty looks like a complete dork. I mean, <laughs> dork. It's hair, cringy. It is cringy. Yeah, hair pulled back. Like a mullet fro? Like a fro mullet? <laughs> I don't know what it was. You can't even, there's no name for it. There was nothing. Yeah, that, and they're like, get, they're flying around the screen constantly. Like, wow, wow, wow. Right. It is. Oh, boy. Seizure watching it. Yeah. Yeah, it, gets, it, gets, it, gets, it does get really in the does. way of the song and the beauty. Of the it song. does. It really. It's a terrible video for the song. Yeah, it's 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 not indicative of the song that it's portraying at exactly. all. Yeah, it's like somebody got a new piece of technology and they just went bonkers. That's exactly what it was. It's like it's like so, watching it's like watching the the yes video for Leave It or the, the Dire Straits Money for Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting edge video. Now you look at it now, like you know, it's right, cringy. Right. But yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did not do the song any justice. No, not, not at all. But the song is beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. Open secrets. I have a Pierschian philosophical treatise about the dangers of holding things in and the healing power of letting things go within the context of personal relationships. Way before Frozen, Neil Peer taught us the, the importance of letting go. The chorus and is really driving and smooth, I thought. There. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. There's nothing else I can say about the song, just what you said. I mean, it sums it all up. Uh, it's another good song. Of course, we like the album, so, you know. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy this one as well. It's, it's a very deep song, obviously. Uh, again, we're getting more into the, away from maybe some of the political lyrics and stuff from Power Windows. This is getting this is a very personable, personal album, I think, mm-hmm. in, the, in the content. Lyrics yes. so, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, Neil never writes bad lyrics. Like every song that he writes mm-hmm. is is deep and emotional, and you know, well, is thoughtful. And it's he's never written a, a bad song, other than that one. We we talked about one, didn't we? We had a lyric that was bad. It was just a one line. Oh, just one in, line. In okay. the, we'll the, give, uh, we gave him a yeah, cast in the signals album. Yeah, <laughs> the excitement. Uh, so thick you can cut it with a knife. We had to give him a pass on that. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, he okay. has a bad, a bad song. It was like one line, you know. So maybe somebody bumped his hand, and it was supposed I, to be something else. Something. Yeah. It's okay. But yeah, this is where this at this point in the album, I'm it, the the songs are feeling kind of formulaic. It almost feels like they're each song is kind of following this formula, and I'm every time I'm kind of waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe an interesting time change, or just I'm waiting for something that never happens. Sure, you know, with each of right. these songs. It's a straightforward pop rock album. Yeah. Pop prog. Yeah, I, I I get it. I understand. Uh it, it it does feel like we're gonna write 10 songs that are all about four and a half minutes long each. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I get it. Um well the next four and a half minute song, uh Second Nature, is uh Peer pleads for all of humanity to focus on the things that connect most of us. Decent people in hopes that we will um, can all be better. So Peart looks on the larger bowl here, as he does so often in the world, um, looking at the mic- macrocosm and making his case through subtle pleading that we can all at least try to be better or in his words, get closer. Um, again, I, uh, it, again, the, the music is consistent. It, it doesn't stand out. It's not one of my favorite songs on the album. I've got a few other ones I really, really like. But again, I focus on the lyrics, and again, here's this uh, this focus on this album. It's it's just it's his journey. He's he's still crying for 
for these. He wants these things, and he just kind of writes them in different iterations, you know, different variations on the same theme. Right, I agree. It's not one of my favorites either, Montag. Uh, but lyrics again, insightful, you know, which we come to expect. Uh, again, this this album is just a very it's, it's personal in nature, and uh, really dwelling on the human emotion aspect. That's if I had put one label on this album right there, it's, it's all about human emotion throughout this album, more so than some of the prede predecessors before that. Yeah, nothing different really to add. Uh, my notes all were mostly about just the uh, the content of the song, the lyrics and what, what it was about. So um, yeah, again, not a, not a song that grabbed my attention really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, moving on to prime mover about the myriad things that make us human that move and stir us Pierre uses the word point as a metaphor, cleverly showing us all that the small moments we all share. Um, he also puts himself into position as prime mover. As I set the clouds in motion. Um, I like the play, the lyrical play on this one. And it, again, the music is, is not what stands out for me here. It's, it's part of the overall, I guess, wash of this album. I and mean, maybe it's why it's so pleasing in a way. It's, it's music that can be put on in the background or mm -hmm. it's, it's soothing in a way that Rush I don't expect from. You know, it doesn't challenge me. But the lyrics are what I focus on, and I find this to be another uh, another one of those where he's wanting us to think. You know, use our brains. <laughs> <laughs> A call to use our brains. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I agree. I focused on the lyrics on this as well. I it might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, song on the album, though, which is you know weird. But yeah, I I just I, I really enjoy it overall uh again lyrically what can you say and uh yeah and like you said monte that interplay and the lyrics is that is really enjoyable so yeah it's a good track yeah this one actually had a pretty cool instrumental uh mm -hmm. section in it now i really like neil kind of goes off a bit on the drums at the end uh i wish it would have uh lasted a little longer you know he has some really nice uh drumming right at the very end of the song mm -hmm. uh, if i remember correctly it kind of fades out but uh are you talking about locking? Yeah, the, locking. Yeah, locking key. No, we're not talking about locking key yet. What? Did, where did I move? Where, 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 we're where still we prime at? Prime mover. Oh, prime mover. Never mind. Uh, I agree with you on the locking key. Yeah, we'll get to. We already got um, your review of it, so just be me and Montag. Okay, you just that. have yeah. to cut this out and paste it later. Prime yeah. mover. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here we are. That's um. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, my notes here. Uh, this is. <laughs> so yeah i get increasingly frustrated by the fact that i'm just not enjoying it uh and i don't want to not enjoy rush but it's just this is it's what happens when i every time i listen to this album it just i i want to like it and i mm -hmm. frustratingly can't can't figure out something to latch on to to sure. to um to pull me through so mm -hmm. yeah sorry okay hey no problem man it's it's it is an error that is very divisive, um, you know, and I think that the next era, the first couple albums there are high. I feel the way you do there, Dredd. Mm. I'm not fans of those records, really. There are some good songs, but there are some problems. It's tough mm. to do a show like this when you're not like them. You're not liking the material very much. Like, right. Yeah, I get uh, it. What, what, yeah. what do I say? What, what yeah. can I say about it? Right. The next album I really like that comes out of here is 
is um, counterparts. You know, so we got a few more albums that are like mm, mm-hmm. in this era. But mm-hmm. of all this whole era, you know, this this album stands out. But it it is representational of all these things. But moving on to Lock and Key, you want to tell us about Lock and Key, there, Dreadbull? Yeah, ditto. Well, ditto what I said moments ago. Yeah, uh, uh, this one, right. Uh, good instrumental. Uh, great, great uh, drumming right at the end of this track. Uh, I kind of miss it because, you know, he, he he hasn't really done a great solo. Although, like I said, his, his drumming is always good. It, it's always, it, it's whether it's there are great master. fills, there are a lot of good fills, exactly. but it's not detail where filled. it stands out. But I think this song mm-hmm. definitely stands out. Is it, it is a protracted drum break, and I, I could have listened to another four measures or eight measures of that exactly. It was so powerful and so good, <laughs> and that's why this song is one of my favorite on the album. It, it is very dramatic and intense, you know. Um, the lyrics are about it, but then that's yeah, the drums. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I talked over you, man. No, I, I think, uh, you know, this is one of my favorite tracks on here, too, Montagna. I love the beautiful, I think it has a beautiful melody, and, and that drumming, you're right, is uh, a standout on it. So, mm-hmm. no, what a great one. Yeah. You know, it's, I like the lyrical content. It's about our efforts to um, suppress all the ugly and anti-civilized emotions, our animal instincts that lie just beneath the collective and individual surface, you know? Right. Um, and... Uh, you know, but again, yeah, that those drums, and I, I can really hear, and there's a great big fill at the end of that that drum break, where you really hear the tonal beauty of those drums, which unfortunately has been missing a lot, and in the previous albums, but I like hearing those big sounds, and the drums sound big, and you can hear them running through your head. It's just a, it's just a beautiful, uh, very powerful song. So, Absolutely. Um, unlike the next song, which is not not that it's not big but it's it's a it's a softer song uh mission uh, i think it's a beautiful song about the need for both dream and effort drive and imagination and how both work together to accomplish what the dreamer wishes to accomplish so you have to have a drive a purpose a reason and a dream but you have to work to get what you want and i think that the the ethereal nature of the music kind of focuses or emanates uh, or emanates um, kind of uh, symbolizes God, fuck. So I cut all this shit out. I think <laughs> the, the uh, keyboards represent, you know, they have the ethereal quality that I think symbolizes or shows that dreamlike, you know, part of the, the mission. And um, so I, I like the message behind it, but then we, that, that that verse or the bridge right before the last chorus mm-hmm. kind of quiets down and you know says it's cold comfort for those without it how they suffered and how they are you know it, for, it goes into a very personal kind of kind of moment where it's quiet but then the drums kind of build up and driving toward the end where it pushes like it, it, the music echoes these themes really beautifully mm-hmm. and uh, it's a well-crafted well, quite a good song. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm total agreeance. I have nothing else to add on that one. You've said it all for me. Uh, I think it is a beautiful song. And I think it's uh, maybe underappreciated or overlooked, maybe as part of the album or part of that era. But I, it's, it is beautiful. And it is kind of hauntingly ethereal. And yeah, so all the things you touched on for, for that. 
Yeah, I particularly like the second half of this song. There's sort of a little progressive section instrumental, and then it kind of uh, crescendos with some really cool keyboards and a great guitar solo uh, at the very end. Uh, yeah, really, really like that. So at least the second half of the song. Yeah. Quite, quite enjoyed. I, yeah, yeah, it, it focuses differently. It changes direction a little bit. Yeah. Um, next track is Turn the Page where it's about uh, the rush of time coming at us and our tendency to focus on ourselves, to disengage and turn the page. Um, the song is driving with a great offbeat China hits in the chorus. Um, and I think that driving nature symbolizes the rush of time in a way. I think Lyson's solo is a bit wild, uh, perhaps also adding to that symbolism. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, that's exactly what I thought, especially a solo. When you talked about Lyson's solo, it is. I think it does accentuate the overall tone of the song and lyrics, lyrics of it. So, yeah. So I, I, I like the tempo of it. I like, yeah, I like the song. So, yeah, this was another uh, song that was like a really great instrumental section kind of surrounded by, you know, music that I just found forgettable <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I, you know, I'm just like, keep it real, man. You got to keep it real. I, I'm taking back. notes as no. I went through this album. Now that I'm like reading them out loud going, my God, I'm really, really a kind of dour here. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't intend to be, but this is just be mad because the Browns was, walked. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> This sucks. Oh, uh, yeah. I well, apologize. You know, I get it, man. Just, uh, uh, we're honest. Just is, is what it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Tai Shan is the next song. I I uh, think the song is lush. Uh, it's, it's a gorgeous song about Peart's visit to China. Using Chinese instrumentation, the song carries the listener off to the foot of the holy mountain, Mount Tai in Shandong province. Um, but... Both Giddy Lee and Alex Lifeson have considered this to be one of their worst songs. Uh, Lee called it an error, saying we should have known better. In a 2009 interview with Blender Magazine and Lifeson, in a 2012 interview with Total Guitar Magazine, said it didn't quite work as an idea and it's a little corny, unquote. Huh. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's odd because this is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's one of the songs I, I really like yeah, on this album. Yes, <laughs> mine too. It's a great song. I thought it was more reminiscent of like early Rush. It kind of reminded me of some early stuff, you know, and yeah. like, ah, oh, it was, you know, one of the at least a moment. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I can, yeah, I can, I can get, get, wrap my head around this. I can hear that. That's odd. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love the ins Asian inspired mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. instruments and stuff in here. Yeah. I that added a nice layer. I, I like this one. Yeah, it, it, the way the sound and even the license like plucking and, and bending the guitar strings again, emulating that very the Asian instruments, the Chinese. I don't remember the name of the instrument, the, their stringed instruments, but it's got that kind of twangy, rare, rare, you know, kind of sound. Yeah. Um, but they were really kind of doing that, and maybe that's what it was because, you know, I don't know if they were feeling pressure from you know some people, the woke people, saying, "Oh, cultural appropriation," or or they just. As an artist, you look back and say, eh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I, I, you know, who knows? But I think it's a beautiful song, too. So we all are in agreement with this one. Finally, one song we all agree with. All right. Ah, then off to High Water. Um, it's an interesting finisher about the powerful pull that water has on our collective unconscious. Uh, I, you know, interesting I, topic. Yeah, I pull it. I personally love 
being near the water. I found it soothing. It was comforting, but I also feared large bodies of water. You know, mm-hmm. I know there's something huge and monstrous yeah. down in the dark. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want it to come up and eat, me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the line, I think one of my favorite lines is we still, we still feel that elation when the water takes us home. You know, it's, it's not hard to imagine standing on the prow of a ship as a head back toward the dock. You know, there's something primal about traveling by sea, I think, returning to land. And I think mm-hmm. it's what it connected to um, in that. I, I think it's a really interesting song. Yeah, and I'd read where uh, Neil <clears throat> said he was in the, uh, what inspired this song, he was in the center of one of Japan's biggest cities, and the noise pollution was just incredible. But he, uh, he right in the middle of the city, there was this little garden with a small waterfall that ran over some stones. And it was designed in such a way that if you sat by the waterfall, the sound of the water would drown out all of that noise pollution of the city. And so he, you know, he believed that uh, that the Japanese sort of uh, really understood the therapeutic nature of water. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that, yeah, that's what inspired the song. Really cool. We must be hitting the same sites for our research. Oh, okay. I had that quote too. Yeah. Yeah. From 1988, right? Okay. Yeah. I beat you to it. Yep. I I think what gets me uh, lyrically, uh, you know, is basically when he talks about returning to water, you know, and everything. Because if you think about it, I mean, that's how we're developed in the womb. We're in water. And and then we come out and and then we're returning to water almost like it's almost the the beginning, ending of the life cycle. Kind of what maybe, maybe, maybe I'm looking too far into it or uh, a deep analogy too much, but it kind of, that's what I kind of think of with it. I don't think you can look too deep. I mean, if a song even, <clears throat> I think, hits you in a certain way that wasn't even intended by the artist, that's still okay. You know, I think it's fine if you, you know, find your own meaning in a song, even if that wasn't the original intention of whoever wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Great thing it, about it, music. So, because that's just music is so uniquely personal, mm-hmm. you know, um, in that regard. A line or a riff or something that's going to affect us all differently. And that's, I think it's one of the great things about it. We, we are all talking about the same album and p- coming away with different emotional attachments or, or lack thereof mm-hmm. on each of these songs. And that's, I think that's what amazing. It's an amazing thing about, about music. It's like a piece of art, you know, interpreting rights of art. We all can get something different from it. Um, and that's, I think one of the beautiful things about it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, that just leads us to a show of hands, the live album that kind of encapsulates this era. Um, I think it showcases this synth Ford era wonderfully, uh, save for Witch Hunt. You know, the only song that really is one of two songs that are out of this era. Witch Hunt sounds amazing. It's a great sounding version of it. And Closer to the Heart, which I found to be a really odd choice to end the show. Of yes. course, it may not be the way they ended it, but that's how they end the album. Mm-hmm. Um Every other track is taken from their previous four albums. So the rhythm method showcases a drum solo style that Neil Peart has kept for most of his career, you know, uh, and then Force 10 sounds particularly energetic. Um, I thought Red Sector A sounds off in terms of where it comes in the show, you know, the, the set list wise. Um, I, perhaps it would have been stronger earlier. Um, of course, this CD is likely half of the show they performed. So. Right. Or listen mm-hmm. to the album, so it's hard to say where it came in the actual set list. But I, I think it's a great chronicle of this era of uh, Rush. The band sounds tight. Mm-hmm. The songs sound great in spite of their more rigidly metered structure um, and construction. 
sound. So I think it's a, it's a really good album for this era. I, um, I'm going to go the opposite. I really don't care for it <laughs> as a live album. It's probably my least favorite live Rush album. So um, I just, I wish they incorporated more of the old stuff in there. You know, I, I know it's, it, they're in that period, right? So they're highlighting these releases where they're, they're selling, continuously selling out and they're doing very well and their videos are everywhere. But uh, yeah, strange closer, or if it was a closer, closer to the heart. Uh, just not a, not a fan. Production wise, I think it sounds great. And I agree with the instrumentation observation as far as they're very tight they're definitely they're in the pocket in this but yeah. uh for me yeah it wasn't not a grabber not when i go back to yeah i've i've not listened to this album much just because of you know the content the songs that are on it aren't, aren't ones aren't my favorite but um uh, production wise i think this is their best album production wise i mean i love the production on here i think it grabs the the nice balance of of uh, bringing in some audience sound to the ambience of a live of live sound. You can hear all the instruments really, really nice and clear. So yeah, production wise, it's top notch. I, you know, I don't know how you do much better with a live sound with rush uh, than this album, but uh, yeah, set list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys, sorry. Where you're going, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Let's talk about him. Let's talk yeah, about him. Yeah, talk about stuck. him. Yeah, we need a new producer for a show. We're going to get somebody new. <laughs> Let's get rid of this guy. We're secretly going to surprise him with a Gene Simmons guest spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Montag, you ass. Yeah. New producer time. <laughs> Down with the p- producer. <laughs> Hostile takeover. <laughs> yeah. This guy heavy metal horror. Yeah, mutiny <laughs> on heavy metal horror. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great. Get his reaction when he finally hears that. <laughs> Off this ass. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you <laughs> son of a bitches! <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> Never did like you. Yeah. I've put up with you for forty years. Yeah, you thought I was your friend. I faked <laughs> it the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. Shh, shh, shh. Oh, don't worry, I got it all recorded. All. <laughs> <laughs> Hold again, guys. I call it two in the morning. <laughs> what was that all about? You cocksuckers. We'll get a phone call. All I'll say is, fuck you. That's right. That's right. Don't worry. I can make that part of the show. Yeah, I just. Between the. Uh, the uh, kidneys having to be irrigated for kidney stones and sometimes when the diabetes gets a little kicks in it's like my bladder has no no ability to hold you know like it says you gotta go now so mm. yeah, yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do man 
Yeah, you know, exactly. Getting old and fragile. You're good up there, fellas. I know. You, I you felt know. bad. Like I peed before yeah. the, and I'm like, by the time that's why I had to leave during the interview with uh, Sorcerer's. Like, fuck, it hit me. Like, oh, I can't hold him. Like, I got a little bottle here. I'm like, oh, I'll fill that one up. That's no. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> so do the piss shiver live on the air. <laughs> right, you don't that. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm gonna start wearing diapers, man. Just fucking. Yeah. Who um, to see you go? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got more of the hesitation beforehand. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to pee myself. Montag? Montag? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to turn off my audio. Otherwise, you're going to be going, ah. Uh, Hear the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to spill over. Oh, no. I told you to get the 32 ounce one. Oh, man. Money, get me a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. Like, I I had never listened to this album until we had to do the review for the mm. show because um, it's just not that exciting for yeah. me to hear these songs. And but with every era they do, though, until the last era, I think when they started doing these more retrospective kind of shows when you're playing a two and a half three hour show you're going to play a lot more variety of stuff mm-hmm. but each of the three live albums have been True. really good documents of that time time period yeah, you know absolutely and so yeah. i give them kudos but i think now at the as they progress going forward i think once they hit like r30 then um or different stages even um has they started bringing in the old stuff we'll talk about when we see it down the road Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so all right um i think we have said what we need to say about this era i think we we all love rush it's not particularly our favorite era um for various reasons but there's a lot of good material in these albums and um but i for one am looking forward to getting getting to counterparts you know so that's 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 a top five album for me but uh hey you can uh, find heavy metal horror on unsaneradio.com you can listen to full episodes or download to your device you can find us on facebook heavy metal horror podcast on instagram look for montag lewis one word our brand new youtube page heavy metal horror podcast don't forget to hit the subscribe button and if you know someone who'd like our show tell them about us this has been Montag, Master of Illusion. Chopped up. And Dreadbull. And you've been listening to Heavy, Heavy. Metal. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror. The best podcast that you've never heard before. <laughs>